Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, and Shaka and I are here on the podcast to talk about what happened last night on Monday Night Football, one of the most epic games I think either of us has ever seen in our lifetimes. Some amazing football happened between the Rams and the Chiefs. Um, Shaka, first off, how you doing with the kid right now? How are things going? Well, I don't know how to say this, Sam, but right before we got on to record this, um, and the other reason I'm a little bit late getting back to you to start the podcast was I was changing him, or actually we had just fed him, sit him down, I'm singing to him, and I'm like, man, he's awfully quiet. wonder what's going on. I looked down, and he pooped on me. So I was like, oh, great. Oh, wonderful. All right, just in time for me to go record the podcast. So we had to scramble. I had to take off my shirt, pants, had to change him, change his shirt. It was just like a, a little situation. But the whole time I'm laughing, and meanwhile, he's calm as hell. I'm like, of course he's calm. He just he just pooped. Like, you know, I'm sure. He, 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 was, he was very that. focused. This is relief. It's a moment of relief. I'm like, as long as you're happy, I'm happy, kid. So, <laughs> I guess I'm trying to say we're doing great, dude. Dude, putting everything in perspective, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 everyday activities of being a new father, it just you know, it really, really brings Monday Night Football and the Eagles getting trounced, you know, right back down to earth. Look, man, it makes a really good conversation. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Well, uh. So let's we can talk. First off, the Jets are on a bye week. They probably had one of the better weeks of their season. Uh, the Eagles were just absolutely embarrassed, getting shellacked forty-eight to seven in New Orleans. Whatever the hell Super Bowl team that was around last year is now a shell of itself this year. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but what I think we really need to focus on: we talk a lot of Jets and Eagles on this podcast, but my God, last night's Monday Night Football game against the Rams and the Chiefs was one for the ages. Yeah. I mean, holy shit, to see this team, these two teams go back and forth. I mean, really, really seeing what the modern NFL is and is going to be for years to come. Guys like Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes with these innovative offenses from McVay and Andy Reid. And then to top it all off, to see some actual defensive touchdowns in this game as well. You know, long story short, the Rams did win 54 to 51. I think this blew out every over under that anyone could have predicted. They also it's put an up insane score. It's I mean, just a, it, I, I just hear you say it out loud. It's, it's a college basketball game score. I mean, I cannot remember the last time I saw two teams put up fifty points in a single game. I mean, that is just mind blowing to think of. To to think that Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdown passes in a loss. And lost. I mean, it's to, wild. to see Goff and Mahomes both throw for 400 yards, to have Goff throw four touchdown passes and run for a touchdown. I mean, I, I, where, where do you think we should start, Shaka? I mean, wh- what were the things that really stood out for you in this game? I mean, there's lots of things to go off of, but uh, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. Well, for an outside perspective, I'll tell you this much. If you have a friend out there and they – are telling you that they just can't get into football, they don't understand why people find football exciting, grab them and sit down and make them watch this fucking game. And while you're at it, you watch it again, too, because it's that good. It's one of the few football games I think I will go back to when the season's over and gladly sit down and spend another three hours revisiting just the absurdity of this entire game. I mean, when you talk about just... 
I just where do I begin? Two quarterbacks go in blow for blow. Can we say right off the bat, Todd Gurley was almost non-existent yeah. in this game. Todd Gurley factor. was was I mean, listen, he was utilized in the offense the way the Rams typically utilize him, but he was not a game changer. I mean, At I think all. he was I more mean, of a decoy. The MVP, potentially MVP of this season offensively, was barely, barely unregistered. And I think he took a hit early in the game. I think like in the first quarter, maybe mm-hmm. second, early. And I don't know if they were being like cautious with him in terms of, you know, bringing him back out there. They didn't want to maybe make the injury worse. But they didn't want to make it seem like, you know, Todd Gurley's out of the game altogether. And, you know, to have Andy Reid shift the defensive scheme to focus on you know, neutralizing the passing attack. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very good on the Rams' part of keeping Gurley in the backfield every now and then, even when he was just um, lining up at the same, you know, like, what was that, four or five yards off the quarterback to look like it was going to be a run. They kept the defense honest, and then basically Gurley was just in pass protection for a lot of those plays. It was a really um, kind of tactical decision on McVay's part to keep the Chiefs um, pass rush and, and I got to give them some credit because I feel like that's what the Rams have been doing for most of the season is they kind of have the same, you know, formation when they come out, but then they yeah. always sort of pull out a different play from the same formation. And even if Gurley wasn't, you know, if he was a little injured and he wasn't 100% going through the game, you know, still putting him in the backfield to keep the defense, the Chiefs defense guessing, I mean, that is McVay through and through. And I mean, another example of just great offensive play calling from both teams. Yeah, um, I think my other highlight, well, Tyreek Hill, who's gone from, you know, a, a, a return specialist to limited roles in offenses, come into his own as a bona fide superstar. Oh, and yeah. You're talking about a, a 5'10 wide receiver, which completely just laughs in the face of the archetype that we've come adjusted to have in yeah. the NFL, where... You've got a guy who's six foot one, six foot two, anything taller than that is a bonus with speed and power. And he gives you all of this in a mighty mouse as package. And there was one moment, it wasn't anything, um, you know, dynamic. It wasn't game changing or shattering play, but there was one moment, I think it was in the late first or early second quarter where they threw a little screen to him. And there was a moment, a split second, where I think it was poor Sam Shields, you know, who's a great cornerback with some great seasons in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, is now on this Rams team, who's been he pretty much was assigned coverage on Tyreek Hill the entire night. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill gets this little screen pass, and maybe you know, it's just there's no gain of yardage. But there's a moment where Sam Shields does not attack him after he catches the football. They just kind of stare each other down for a second. Because it's that moment, you know, it's like the entire showdown was cerebral. You know, if you make the wrong move... He's going to deke you right out of your shoes and you're going to be gone. He's going to burn you. And it was a moment, if you look, Tyreek Hill had already started to step into a spin move. Like, anticipating. And when he saw that Shields wasn't biting, he righted himself and then took off. And it was, he still got six yards on the play. And I had to laugh because I was like, are you kidding me? How is it possible? How do you handle that? How do you defend that psychologically? That's just... You know, on the play you know is coming. Never mind where they're going deep with him and he jukes you out of your shoes and creates a separation that leaves him wide open. It's just, I mean, he's a nightmare matchup-wise, and he's really, really made a giant leaps and bounds in this offense, especially when you've got guys like Sammy Watkins, who is injured mm-hmm. on this offense. You've got Travis Kelsey on this offense. You've got, you know, um, Kareem Hunt. Hunt. You've got so many weapons on this, and Tyreek Hill, the smallest guy potentially next to Kareem Hunt, 
is the most dangerous. I mean, this Chiefs offense is scary. Yeah, and and I would venture to say that Tyreek Hill is probably one of the best playmakers they have. And I mean, my goodness, a lot of big things come in small packages. He really does play like a six foot receiver, and it's just amazing to see his yeah. ability. One of my favorite things is to see him actually jump up and go after the football at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. He doesn't wait for it to come to him. And there's, there's quite a few plays this season where you see him. He's almost like he's taking ballet classes where he catches it uh, and he's mid like pirouette. Like he catches it and he's already turning, you know, to adjust into landing. And he's basically going into, you know, yards after the catch mode. So there's something, I don't know what he's worked on on his game in the offseason, but it's really come together. And he's, I, I think you could see, like I talked about that moment where him matched up one with Sam Shields, where you see that you would say the Rams respected him. And you could see that Tyreek Hill looked at him and he goes, these guys are afraid of me. And rightfully so. I mean, every time he had the football in his hands, it was electric. Now, can you talk? To, can we talk a little bit about the defense in this game? I'd love to. Because I, there's so many highlights for for all of the excitement that we talked about for these two high powered offenses, which they delivered last night. We ended up getting quite a bit of amazing defense uh, in this game as well. There was a couple of defensive touchdowns. I believe this. Uh, who the hell was it? It was a guy. Um, who was the Rams defender who had both Samson, of those? Samson, Samson, uh, I can't remember his name. Number 50. Yeah, Sam, Samson Abuke. Uh, I, I can't remember how you pronounce his last name, but I, the, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He had two defensive touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, two defensive touchdowns in this game, both instances where they were getting after the quarterback, both where they were get where they were able to get Patrick Mahomes to, uh, to fumble this ball. But then... You know, there was also, I believe there was a defensive touchdown for the the Chiefs as well. I mean, this was, yes. and, and if there wasn't defense, there were fumbles. Like, there were turnovers. There were opportunities for both of these pass rushes to get after the quarterback. And, you know, what's funny is the Rams haven't really, they, they, they brought in a lot of these powerful defensive uh, names. You know, they, they gave Aaron Donald the money he deserved. They brought in Indomitian Sue. They brought in... Um, Michael Peter, uh, oh, Marcus Peters, they bring in Aqib Tlaib. But then, slowly over the season, these guys are getting injured. And, and really, we're seeing two things. Number one, the Rams don't exactly have the greatest defense. And number two, we're learning in the modern NFL, you don't have to have a great defense. And so, this team is able to function and still get after the quarterback, even though they let up 51 points. So, what I think is magical is how we were still able to see some strong defense but in a way, we're also learning what defense really is in the modern NFL, and it might not necessarily matter if you have an explosive offense like this. Um, tell me some of the defensive plays that you think stuck out for you, Shaka. Well, I, I think you're, you've hit it absolutely in the nose. Uh, when you think about the front the front four that the, the, the Rams put forth, you got Andama Kasu, you got Aaron Donald, just those two games alone on a, a defensive front line, I mean... Right off the bat, you've you got to think that you've got the most dangerous one-two punch in all of football and defense. But the, the the way the rules are set up now defensively, it relatively, I mean, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. You know, when you talk about uh, secondary guys, you know, getting a lot of penalties. And in this game, there were a ton of penalties um, of pass interference, you know, guys making contact after the five-yard, you know, mark. It really changed the outcome of the game. It's really just heavily, heavily, heavily predicated on NFL offenses. And mm. you think if you're going to talk about two teams that benefit 
from these rule changes. You got two of them going toe-to-toe. There definitely should have been more of an impact in terms of the secondary on uh, the outcome of this game. When you look at the final score, 54-51. to 51. Of course, you know, it, it, it's the epitome of, hey, the NFL has vastly, vastly changed. You know, um, the, the league office has put a big emphasis on scoring, you know, as being the highlight. And I, I don't know if, obviously, that's to bring in more numbers. People, people dig touchdowns. And the, look, man, I thought this was probably, I'm trying to think of maybe, oh, who was it? Was it Tampa Bay and Atlanta? A few years back when Mark Dunn was still playing was probably the best NFL game I'd ever watched. I remember it was, I think Mark Dunn scored three or four touchdowns in that game. And mm-hmm. this blows that game out of the water. Yeah. I mean, defense, I, granted, we saw a few moments from Aaron Donald, you know, earning his check. Um, and Dominic Sue had a couple of good plays. But, I mean, <laughs> man, you really, really, if you don't have a pass rush in the NFL, I mean, your secondary, you can put as many guys you know, of talent that you want in that backfield. Just the, the rules are just, they skew things so much. Yeah. Having a Jalen Ramsey, you know, having A.J. Bouye, having guys like a Darrell Rivas on your team are, sure, they're great, but it doesn't, you know, make or break your defense yeah. at this point. You need a, a pass rush, and even then, it's only, I think, going to slow down the blood flow. Yeah. It, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I've been listening to some pundits recently who talk about how you know, the passing numbers are just obliterating the record books. You know, I mean, every year we're going to get to a, I mean, I remember even in my time, 10, 15 years ago, a quarterback who threw 4,000 yards in a season was a big deal. Now throwing for throwing 4,000 yards is, is pretty standard. I mean, it's, it's pretty par for the course for some of these guys. And, you know, in a game like this, what I almost was impressed with was how much of an influence the defense could play considering how explosive the offense was all throughout the game. Uh, I mean, to see touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, but then to see key fumbles, to see key plays where, you know, the pass rush really was the game changer in that entire mo- in that entire moment. And to also take away the fact that we're now getting to this place of, you know, passing is, is running the ball. Like now we're starting to really ask ourselves this question about like, do you really need to take a Saquon Barkley with the number two overall pick? You know, how valuable is a running game? I mean, you started out this conversation by saying, you know, Todd Gurley was barely even a factor. And I'm not saying that uh, Kareem Hunt wasn't a factor. He had a touchdown in this game. The run game was part of it, but this was an aerial show. I mean, this was an absolute showcase of quarterbacks, and I don't think we're going backwards at all. I don't think this is an anomaly. I think we're just going to see more of this. Yeah. I think you, when, you, when you think about the NFL running back now, uh, any running back who really can't catch the football out of the backfield is a, is a serious detriment to the flexibility and the variety of your offense. Yeah. When you look at a cream hunt, I think he, I don't think he had a touchdown on the ground. I think he actually had a receiving. Oh yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think it was a toss. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, guys like Saquon Barkley, who is incredibly flexible, you know, um, these new offenses and you talked about it a little bit. I mean, just the dynamic that a guy like that brings, mind you, Todd Gurley really was not much of a catching running back when he first came in. But last season really changed that in terms of um, just what he was able to bring to 
your mindset. And again, credit to Sean McVay for, you know, ex- opening up kind of the gearbox on him and just bringing him up to a, a new echelon where, yes, he can run it north to south and, you know, he's got the breakaway speed. But now you've got to, you know, you got to accommodate for him when he goes in motion and he lines up in a slot. What do you do? Do you put a linebacker on him? Do you put a corner or a safety, you know, where he's got the muscle to get by that guy or to, you know, out, out muscle him for the football? So it really changes. I mean, could you imagine 10, 15 years ago, one of the best defenses in the league, could you imagine having to accommodate for a running back who's built somewhat like a linebacker, able to line up in the slot, able to go in motion and catch passes like a wide receiver? Defenses, they, they wouldn't know what to do. It's not textbook. I mean, their and heads would have exploded. That. Yeah, and now the textbook is changing, really. And I think the dynamic now is, yes, it's great to have a north to south runner. But, I mean, it only gives your offense so much flexibility. It forces the defenses now, one, to, to play you much smarter. To also, they're, 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 if you're going to uh, you know blitz, I mean, you really have to think about, you know, the consequences. Because a lot of – there's a couple moments. There was one particular for the Rams where they lined Ty Gurley up. And he ran up like he was going to pass block. And as soon as the blitz went by him, he was an open receiver. And he caught it, and I think he caught it for like a 27-yard reception yep. in the third or fourth quarter. No, I know which but, one I mean, you're talking about. But it's just, you know, that kind of just slip shot uh, package. Because I think people forget Todd Gurley can catch the ball really well on back. Well, they don't do it very often for the Rams because, let's face it, they don't really need to. I mean, no, they, just, they function out of play action a lot. Yeah, but just to have that dagger, you know, that hidden dagger that you can bring out, I mean, it really changes games, especially like on a third and, third and long situation. It, it's murder. So, I, look, man, I, I think we're only seeing the beginning. And this goes back to a conversation we had before where a lot of these new NFL offenses, you know, um, offensive coordinators, all of a sudden the, the stock value has just skyrocketed. When you look at um, you got Sean Payton and in New Orleans, you know, the offensive coordinator, you know, by nature is now a head coach. You've got uh, McVay now, offensive coordinator, who's now a head coach. you got Andy Reid. Who, you know, unlike in Philly, where he had someone else calling the shots, he's now doing that in Kansas City. I think you're just going to look around the league, and I think just especially this this game, this game is probably a landmark where if front offices weren't looking and saying, holy shit, we should really look into that. Now I think the bell has been rung, and I think the races, you know, come the offseason are going to be on for offensive coordinators who are looking for head coach jobs. Dude, if front offices haven't gotten the notice yet that this is the future, then those front offices should either be fired or their their teams are going to continue to lose. And I could probably think of a few front offices that are already still thinking in that way. And those are the teams that are still losing. Yeah. I look, I mean, Cooper Cup, who's out for the season, was, I mean, he was only an afterthought because they – Brought in the backup. I can't even remember his name. Um, oh, uh, Reynolds? He, Reynolds. And he came in and pretty much put up the same stat line that you would expect from Cooper Cup yeah. in terms of production. And just how seamless, you know, this offense is. It's basically like a car. You change a tire, it's still going to move down the road at pretty much the same speed. So it, it just kind of shows you that the, the flexibility and just the ability to plug in guys into, you know, this, this offense, is it's effortless. Yeah, and I think you can say that on the other side of the football too, for Kansas City. Um, Chris Conley, who had a great game, but really not highlighted, 
was also a big part of that offense. It just made it very easy because uh, Kansas City also runs a lot of that option, you know, mm-hmm. strategy. It, it's it makes your um it makes your just playbook. It just it's wide open. It gives the quarterback so many options down the, the field. It's amazing. I mean, and it really, I mean, it really highlighted it for me in this game how big of a difference that is for a team and for a quarterback. I mean, the, the infrastructure to see these teams that are built around offensive play calling, built around trying to nurture these quarterbacks. I mean, th- you can't think of a better example than what the Rams were three years ago under Jeff Fisher. Yeah. I mean, that was essentially the same team. There was Jared Goff. There was Todd Gurley. The offense was about as boring as it could have gotten, and we thought Jared Goff was a complete and utter bust. So to bring in a new coach like McVay and to see what a coaching staff can do, I mean, it's it's amazing. And it's, and yeah. it's, and it's such an indictment of some of these other teams and how poor – I mean, we had this discussion not very long ago when we were talking about the Jets. Yeah, and so I mean, coaching makes a big difference. It makes such a huge difference. And listen, when you've got talented guys on your squad, you're going to be able to produce. And the Rams and the Chiefs have got some amazing coaching talent, and they're able to produce. I got to give credit to Andy Reid for all of his poor clock management and his horrible playoff record. This guy's a pretty amazing, innovative, you know, offensive play caller, and and we have not seen it slow down from him. He really is one of the better head coaches in this league. He just he's not too lucky in the playoffs. Yeah, at all. And mind you, also, Sean McVay is only 32. He's 32. Oh, my God. We got to deal with this for how long? My my kid is going to be a grown man and watching him coach if he des- if he decides he wants to be around the league that long. If he's well, not in a front office at that point. Well, you know but, what? I mean, let's let's uh, you know, let's give him some time because so far his playoff record is 0 and 1 because that Rams team lost to the Falcons last year. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. I, I honestly I feel like this team this year. A little bit different. I'm a little more terrified of him than they are, especially with the addition of uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, yeah. He he's a he's a big um, upgrade over Sammy Watkins. I think. No, I, I injury. totally agree Sorry, with that. He had some injury issues, and I think Brandon Cook is more of a, a go getter in terms of the football. He relies on his talent, also more so in effort. Watkins is uh, just physically just a super gifted wide receiver. I think he kind of rests on his laurels. No, I but agree. I think, uh, I think Watkins is probably watching with the fireworks going on right now without him and saying, you know, they don't need me if, you know, I'm not really willing to step up. Conley came in and did a fantastic job filling in in that role. So, I mean, Watkins is obviously he's an upgraded position, but obviously he's not really necessary. And Kansas City gave him a lot of money, so we'll see how that plays out. They might try to get out from underneath that contract if they're able to realize that they really don't need him. Yeah, it would be great to shift that money to keeping, you know, Tyreek Hill locked up in a more long-term situation there. Whew, okay. I, um, I'm good. I think I had my Monday Night Football fill. Um, Very happy. I, I appreciate that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Eagles. Sadly, we're going to have to end this podcast on a little bit of a down note as the Eagles got absolutely fucking trounced by the Saints 48-7. to um, the Eagles are now four and six. They are one game behind the Cowboys, two games behind the Redskins, who lost their quarterback, and they are literally one game ahead of the New York Giants. And the Gi- and they play the Giants this weekend. So yeah, they do. If the Eagles lose to the Giants, they literally could could possibly be tied for last place with the Giants. To give you a real sense of of how far this team has fallen. Um, 
I think everybody was giving them the benefit of the doubt all season. Um, they're the Super Bowl champions. Why wouldn't anybody give them the benefit of the doubt? Um, but we've been talking about it week after week after week. And, you know, the chickens have come home to roost. This is not a good team. Uh, very average, very mediocre. And now the real kicker for me that's kind of sealed their fate in my mind, I know they have a schedule coming up. I know they've got, listen, they've got two more games against the Redskins who just signed Mark Sanchez. Um, and of course they're playing the Giants and they play the Cowboys, you know, these teams that they should be beating, but they're not. Um, you know, the real situation that we get to now is that injuries, you know, one, once you know, at first they were just playing poorly and they had a couple of injuries. Now they've got nobody, you know, everybody, Jalen Mills is injured. Ronald Darby's injured. You know, Rodney McLeod's injured. I bet the only real guy of, of merit out there is Malcolm Jenkins. And he even came out today kind of bad mouthing his team about how poor they have yeah. played. So, you know, the excitement of bringing in Michael Bennett is is not really having the same effect. You know, Haloti Nada is is not the same guy he was. Timmy Jernigan's still not playing. The pass rush and the defense, which is kind of one of the things that they were able to really hang their hat on last year during their Super Bowl run, is really not happening. And uh, the offense, I mean, they can't score. I, I told you, I said this in last week's podcast, they cannot score. And, and they put up seven points on the Saints. And I'm not saying the Saints have a, a bad defense. They don't have a great defense either, but... You know, I expected the Eagles to be able to do something. They they really couldn't. They really yeah. couldn't. They got into the second half and it just turned into, you know, we're going for it. You know, they they would go for it on fourth on fourth and ten, I think they went for it. Carson Wentz aired it out a few times and, you know, threw three interceptions because there were some passes where it was like, I got nothing here, I might as well just try it and he throws a pick. So, I mean, this team really I don't want to say they rolled over, but I mean, I think we can stick a fork in them. This is a team that might be eight and eight this season, maybe seven and nine. Um, I think they're just going to have to regroup and try to figure out what's going to happen next year. Because I, I mean, I don't know what else they can really try to get out of this season aside from figuring out which of their young players is worth keeping for next year. And um, I mean, listen, it's not over. The NFC East is terrible. They could win a couple of games. They beat the Redskins a few times. I mean, they could still take the division, but even if they take this division, you know that they're eking their way into the playoffs and they're going to have to play the Rams or the Saints or the Vikings. All these teams, they've already lost to the Saints and the Vikings and they're going to play the Rams this season. And you know what? I don't think they're going to beat the Rams. Yeah. I Look, I think you, you pretty much said it. Um, the division is pretty bad and Washington, I, I, Washington's toast. I never liked that offense to begin with. Dude, that whole, uh, such dog shit, that offense. Running the ball Adrian and just Peterson, mucking Adrian up the game. Saved that season for them. I mean, I don't think they expected that from them. I think they thought Derek uh, Geist was going to be healthy and they were leagued back. And so the fact that Peterson was available and is obviously still hungry to prove that he is an NFL-esque uh, running back is pretty much the only thing keeping them alive. They won a couple games where they had no business winning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so now that he's gone, I'm pretty sure the season's done for the Redskins. The Cowboys, I still don't have any faith in. Um, the Giants are, well, the Giants, I granted they had a pretty um, solid performance offensively this past week. I mean, they just could not keep... Uh, there was no defensive was stops. A, in they game. were playing the Buccaneers, and they and they still almost lost to the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston came in after they finally benched Fitzpatrick, and he looked 
like a maven out there. He threw, I think, three touchdowns or four touchdowns. He mm-hmm. led four um, touchdown drives after coming in after halftime. So I, the, the Giants, look, same problems persist that they've had all season. Uh, it, yes, the Eagles still have an opportunity to win this division. However, uh, you got to look at it as like the, the, that 8-8 eight and eight Giants team that went into the playoffs and ultimately won the Super Bowl. You're going to need one to make it to the playoffs. Two, you're going to just need to get on a hot streak, and all of a sudden, all the things that were not working for you all season, like the offense, are suddenly going to have to click. Uh, and especially looking at the opponents you have to face for the rest of the season, I mean, it's a tall, it's a tall order. It's a very and, tall order. You know, it, I, I hate to be the one to say it, but I think this is going to be, you know, a rough crash landing to end the season. And look, maybe time to kind of reevaluate some players, clean up, um, especially on the defensive side. I, granted, there were a lot of injuries in the secondary. I think maybe shoring up that secondary a little bit more and maybe some help on the pass rush is going to be top priorities. I mean, I, I think, dude, I agree. I think you're spot on. I think they're going to have to do, they're going to have to bring in more defensive players. I think that, you know, some of the players, I think there was a little bit, you know, the idea of bringing back Sproles, um, you know, I, I think there was a feeling like we can just bring back some of these guys who we won the Super Bowl with last year and just sort of, you know, roll it right back out and kind of, you know, roll it back, do it again. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I think they've, they're they missing key guys who, you know, they really, you know, we talked about this last week and missing Mac Hollins, you know, a bit of an unknown guy who clearly was a, a piece to this team winning last year and, you know, losing a Jaya, all of these things, they just, it's, you know, they're just, everything just came apart at the seams and you know what? It's hard to repeat in the NFL. It's really hard to repeat. It's not a joke. I mean, especially after you you won a Super Bowl, all of a sudden you've got all these these key players who can get more money elsewhere. You know, and they take off usually. Um, one of the things I was thinking about in the offseason, and I'd have to look at the cap space and financially how to handle it. Le'Veon Bell would be a great addition to that team. Ooh. We're talking about offenses. And just the first talking about a hot take, Shaka said it first. Levy and Bell to the Eagles. All the things that the Eagles are deficient in. I mean, look, I love Corey Clement, but I think he's a great backup. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing Wendell Smallwood. Um, Ajayi is a great running back north to south, but he's never really had the, the opportunity to catch the ball on the backfield or on a bubble screen to really see what his potential is. Levy and Bell does all of those things, and he does them well. He's also a great blocking. Um, running back. So I, I think that's also every now and then the Eagles could use an extra blocker back there to give Carson Wentz the opportunity for more time to throw the football. I, I think these are all things that can be helped. Obviously, they're going to need a little more work on the offensive line. Also. Yeah. But I think Le'Veon Bell will be a great upgrade to that offense. I mean, the, the, I don't see that situation being bad in any way whatsoever and i mean just you just scheme towards having a talent like that it would take a lot of pressure off of Wentz to have a great check down valve like that guy number one else you got zach Ertz out out there already i mean we don't know what's gonna happen with golden tate you got aglo i mean they got pieces offensively i think they just need something else to kind of bring this whole meal together you know so again the offseason is going to be very interesting i i like Le'Veon bell better with the Eagles than I do with all the talk about him going to the Jets. Mm. So mm. I appreciate that. I, I thank you. As as a Jets fan, I appreciate you ceding Levy and Bell to me in this imaginary trade scenario. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, man, I mean, the Jets have got a lot of problems to, to uh, you know, there are a lot of holes in the boat that are going to need some patchwork. And I don't think just bringing in, you know, the top-level running back is going to do it. There's there's so many questions on the offensive line for us and on the defense and at the wide receiver position that we, we've got, I mean, you can't have television. Yeah, and whereas with the Eagles, you know, I mean, truthfully, running back is probably one of the few spots where they really need to, I mean, listen, they've got things to fix, but running back is certainly something they've got to address because Ajayi is not yeah. going to be ready for start of next season. Yeah, I don't really don't think so. Okay. Chaka, that's all I got, man. I, I think we should get the hell out of here and, and try to uh, look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, everyone, thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. You can always email us at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Um, Shaka, any special Thanksgiving plans going on for this weekend? Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to be on the baby tour. Nice. Unfortunately. So, I mean, look, I love seeing family, but I think it's going to be a lot of, I got to go here because this person wants to see the kid. I got to mm-hmm. go there. I mean, but I honestly, I, it's just good to see family. And it's, it's strange to have a kid and kind of look at your parents in a different way and go, man, you guys had to do all of this <laughs> for so long. I really did not appreciate it, and now I do. So, I mean, if you're talking about giving thanks, I'm definitely grateful for all the hard work my parents put in, and I've only begun to work. So, you know, that is, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very surreal moment for me. That is that is a serious serious way to give thanks on uh, as we get close to Thanksgiving, Shaka. Uh, Campbell and I will be going to Campbell's parents' house just outside of Houston. We'll hop on the road Wednesday night, and we'll see a whole lot of family and. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Sit back, you know, see all of the nieces and nephews, and just try to take a few days to uh, say thanks and uh, and also enjoy some football. Amen, man. Sounds like a good time. All right, guys. We're out of here. We're going to uh, enjoy this weekend's slate of games. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll be back next Tuesday to talk about all of the fun that happened this weekend. So take it easy. Bye-bye. Happy Turkey Day.